Shalom to all! Today's daf is Sukkot Chaf Aleph. We are starting Chaf Amud Beis with the brand new Perak. And today's daf is sponsored Leilu Nishmas Maris Miriam Sara Bas Rabbi Yaakov Meisha. Her neshama should have an Aliyah and Beschos Shifra Bas Sheva Rachel. She should be zeched to find her Zivug Hagon and build a Bais Namud Beisrael Bekar of Mamish. And the Mishnah says Ayashen Tachas Amita Besukkah. Someone sleeps underneath the bed in a Sukkah Loyati Dei Chavasa. He's not Yotzei Yischiv. Why is that? That's because he has this bed which is considered an oil on top of him. This oil on top of him is not Kasher Schach because it's a Kli. Therefore, he's not considered sleeping underneath the Schach of the Sukkah. So he's not been Yotzei Yischiv of sleeping in a sukkah. And on Rabbi Yehuda, he tells us, We used to sleep underneath the bed in front of the Zekanim, and they never said anything. Clearly, you're allowed to sleep underneath the bed in a sukkah. Amr Abshem, he says, There's a story with Tavi, the slave of Ram Gamliel. He was not Jewish. He slept underneath the bed in the sukkah. Ram Gamliel is Kanim, and Ram Gamliel told his Kanim, Have you seen Tavi, my slave? He's a Tam Chacham. And he knows that Avadim are Potter from sukkah. Therefore, Yashan Hutachzamita, that's why he slept underneath the bed. And now says the Mishnah, Lufidar Kinulamanu, along the course of this conversation, we learned, that someone sleeps underneath the bed, he's not Yotze Yischiv. And now the Gemara asks, Valeka Asara, it doesn't have tent fachim. It's not tent fachim tall, so why is it considered an oil? We know that the minimum shear of an oil has to be tent fachim tall, and your bed is probably not tent fachim tall. So why is it you're considered not sleeping in a sukkah? The Gemara answers, Tirgamashmul, but Mita Asara, it must be that you're sleeping underneath the bed, which is tent fachim high. And now we're going to talk about oil in general, and we're going to bring it back to our Mishnah after we discuss it. Tanan Hassan, we have a Mishnah over there in Mesechah's Oilais. Let's say we have a hole or a hollow that was hollowed out by water. The water wore away at something, and now we have a hollow over here. Or creatures did so. Or the earth corroded it. We have a pile of stones, and there's a hollow or an oil underneath it, an empty space, a gap. Or a stack of beams was placed down, and they formed an oil of sorts. That's considered an oil over Toma, and we know that when there's an oil over Toma, anything that's underneath this oil is Tomei. However, the Toma does not escape through the oil and above. Now, Rabbi Huda Eimer, he tells us, Kol oil adam. Any oil that was not made by man, which means it was either naturally formed or if it was made by man but not with the intention for it to be an oil, Enoi oil is not considered an oil. And my time to Rabbi Huda, what's his reasoning? Chafal alf on the top. Yalf oil oil mi mishkan. He learns oil oil from mishkan. Ksev Hachat says over here regarding an oil hames. Zayis hatayra adam kiyamas ba oil. This is the law regarding a person that dies in a tent. Ksev Hasim, says over there in regards to the mishkan. And he spread the oil, the tent covering on top of the Mishkan. Just like over there, it was made by man and it was made intentionally to be a tent. So to over here, when we have an oil on mace, it has to be made by man with intention to be an oil. For Abanon, what do they do with this Pasuk? Oil, oil, Reba. They actually use it as an inclusion and they say that's including something that was naturally formed or that was made by man, just not intentionally to be an oil. But now the Gemara asks, Does Rabbi Huda really hold that a naturally formed oil isn't considered an oil? For a minute, we have a And here we're going to be learning a Mishnah that talks about the Paraduma. Now we know that extreme caution was taken in regards to Toma in preparation of the Paraduma. We had just learned in Masechus Yuma that a ramp was built to prevent those involved in its preparation from becoming Tomei. And now we're going to learn of another precaution taken. Says the Mishnah, There were courtyards in Yerushalayim that were built, on top of rocks, not rocks that we brought here, but naturally formed bedrock, meaning this is there from Sheshis Meberashis, this rock was never moved. And underneath this courtyard, there was a hollow, there was a space in between the rock and the courtyard. It was built on stilts. And why was this done? Because of Kevratahim. Now, Kevratahim literally means the grave of the deep. And it's the terminology used to describe a chashash that, unbeknownst to us, there might be a body buried deep in the ground underneath us, and anyone walking above it would be tummy. So these chatseris were not only built on rock that almost definitely didn't have a body buried underneath it, but they were also built on a platform that would be an oil preventing tumma from rising up. And what do we do with these courtyards? They would bring women that were pregnant, 
sham, and they would give birth over there in this courtyard. Umegalis b'neim sham lepara, and they would raise their children on this courtyard for the paraduma, so they would be completely tahar. Umevin shvarim, and then they would bring oxen val gabeim delasays, and on top of these oxen were doors, meaning wide boards. Vitinakas yesh val gabein, and the children would sit on top of these boards. These boards were very wide, and therefore they constituted an aisle. So if these oxen passed over anything, if there was any sort of toma going upwards, the door would prevent the child on top of it becoming tamei. And the kaisus shall even be dam, and they held stone cups in their hands. These stone cups cannot be makabel tama. Once they got to the spring that they were going to fill up with the water in preparation of the paraduma ashes, they would get off of the ox, they would get off to this door, and they would go into the water, umilum, and then fill up these cups of alu, then go back up, and sit back on the oxen. Now, Rabbi Yisrael, he said that they would not get off the ox. They would actually just sit on this door or on the ox, and they would lower the cup into the well because of kevrat time. The moment they got off, even though they're standing right next to the well, it could be that there's kevrat time underneath, so he's very chashish for kevrat time, and he says they stay on these doors or on the oxen the entire time. And here's what's important. Vitanya Rabbi Huda Aimer, he tells us, They wouldn't bring doors, they would only bring shvarim. Meaning the child would sit directly on the back of the ox and he would not sit on this board, which is on top of the ox. And ask the Gemara, We know that ox is an oil that's not formed by man, it's naturally formed. The ox was born and here we have this naturally formed oil. Fikatani, nonetheless, we learn that Rabbi Huda Aimer, So clearly Rabbi Huda holds that a naturally formed oil is an oil. So the Gemara answers, no problem. Kiyosra Dimi, when he came on Rabbi Lezer, he said in the name of Rabbi Lezer that mighty Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda agrees, that if we have an oil the size of a fist, it's a fist wide and a fist long and a fist high, so that's considered an oil even though it's naturally formed. And Tayanami Hach, we have a brass like that. Umad Rabbi Huda, Bishkifin, Rabbi Huda agrees with large boulders. If they get dislodged from their place and now there's a hollow over there, Ubenikikiyaz Slime, or with rock crevices, as long as they are an egrif, as long as they are a fist big, that is considered an oil even though it's naturally formed. But now that we know this in Rabbi Huda, we ask, a door has many a gryph into it. Vikatanian, nonetheless, we learned that Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, They wouldn't bring these doors, they wouldn't bring these boards. The kid would just sit on the ox itself. Why is that? Amar Abayi says, Rabbi Huda is simply saying that they don't have to put these doors or these boards on top of the oxen. The kid could just sit on top of the ox himself and he doesn't have to ride on top of this board. Now, Rav Amar, he says, They did not put the boards on top of the oxen. Why? That's because when the child sitting on top of it, he's feeling very haughty, he's feeling very self-confident, he feels like a prince, he's sitting on top of this board, he's riding on top of the world, and what's going to happen if he feels like this? Perhaps he's going to stick his head or one of his limbs out over this board, and he's become Tommy with which is right out over this board, and we don't want that to happen. So therefore, Rabbi Huda says, stick him right on top of the back of the ox. He's going to be so scared, he's going to be hanging on for a dear life, and he's not going to play any shticks or tricks, and therefore we're going to make sure he's not going to become Tommy that way. And we continue, Tanakh Vasei de Rava, we actually have a brass like Rava, Rabbi Huda Aimer, he says, They wouldn't put these boards on top of the oxen at all. That's because he gets very self-confident when he's on top. Perhaps he's going to stick his hand or head out over this board and he's going to become Tomei, therefore stick him right on top of the ox. They would bring Egyptian oxen, that their stomachs are very wide, and the children sit on their backs, and their stomachs are so wide, their stomachs are considered an oil, and they're going to prevent any time from going up. Because it shall even be Dane, and they had these stone cups in their hands that cannot become tummy. Once they got to this spring, Yardu, they would go down, umilumim, fill them up, and then go back up, and sit on the back of the oxen. But now we go back to asking on our Mishnah. What about a bed? The size of the bed has many fists to it, so it's definitely considered an oil. Rabbi Huda had said in our Mishnah, We used to sleep underneath a bed, but how could we sleep underneath a bed? According to Rabbi Huda himself, that's considered an oil. How could they sleep under the
the bed? So the Gemara answers, no. A bed is different because it's meant for sleeping on top of it, and therefore sleeping under it isn't considered like you're sleeping under an oil. Since it's made for being on top of it, it's not considered an oil for that which is underneath it. The Gemara asks, if so, Shvarim Nami, what about oxen also? They're really meant for the top. You're supposed to put something on top of it. You're supposed to sit on top of it. You put a yoke on it. You're not supposed to stay underneath it. So how could we say that the underside of the ox is considered an oil? The Gemara answers, Ki Asa Rav and Amra Blazer, he says, Shani Shvarim, Shvarim are different. Since the shepherds actually use the underside of the ox as protection in the summer from the heat and from the winter because of the rain, so therefore they do protect something underneath them and therefore their undersides are considered an oil. The Gemara asks, If so, Mitanami, your bed also is the same thing. It protects your shoes and sandals underneath it. Before you go to bed, you take off your shoes and sandals and you put them underneath your bed. Or if you're playing hide and seek, you could hide under your bed. So they protect you. So why isn't the underside of your bed considered? An oil. So the Gemara answers, Rava, he tells us, Shani Shvarm, oxen are different. Their skeletal structure is actually designed to protect their insides. It's not that their undersides are meant to protect something underneath them. Their skeletal structure, their back is meant to protect their insides, their intestines. Shinemar, the Pasuk says, You clothed me with skin and flesh, and you sheltered me with bones and sinews. So we see that the bones are meant to shelter a person, so too the skeletal structure of the ox is meant to shelter that which is inside of him. So it's not the underside of the cow which is protecting the child on top of him from Kevratahim. It's actually his skeletal structure, his back, his spine, and his ribs. That's what's protecting the child from Kevratahim because that's what it's designed for. Alternatively, he says, we have to have an element of permanence to the sukkah. And a bed is something that's considered a diros aray. Even though it's considered an oil, it's nonetheless something temporary. And the sukkah is keva. And you're not able to have an oil aray, something that is temporary, nullify the status of an oil keva. Ask the Gemara for Reb Shimon, the Amar Nami. Reb Shimon also says, that sukkah has to have an element of permanence to it. And according to Reb Shimon, an oil aray is mevatel an oil keva. So the Gemara answers, what's the problem? That's what they argue about. That's Reb Shimon. And Umar Savar, Rabbi Huda holds, So therefore, there's no stira. So in conclusion, there are two reasons why even though Rabbi Huda holds that an oil the size of a fist is is considered an oil. Nonetheless, one sleeping under bed in a sukkah is not considered to be under oil, and it's considered to be under the schach of the sukkah. First of all, the underside of the bed isn't designed to protect or store anything. It might serve that function, but it, that's not its purpose, and therefore doesn't halachically constitute an oil. And number two, even if halachically it does constitute an oil, it's only an oil aray. It's temporary, and a sukkah has an element of being an oil kava, and an oil aray cannot nullify the status of an oil kava. And the Mishnah said, Amr Shem and Avdai, and now we're going to have a more expanded version of this story that we had in the Mishnah. Tanya, Amr Abshemin, Rabshimin says, From this conversation, this seemingly mundane conversation of Rabbi Gamaliel, we can learn two things. Lamanu, first of all, we learn that a slave is part from Sukkah. And we also learn someone that sleeps underneath the bed, he has not been Yotzei Yizchiv. Ask the Gemara, Why don't we say from the words of Rabbi Gamaliel? Why did Rabshimin say from the conversation of Rabbi Gamaliel? Why did he use that word? The Gemara answers, He's teaching us a side thing. The same thing Rav Achabarada said. And some say it was Amrav Achabarada, Amrav Hamnuna, Amrav. How do we know that even the seemingly mundane conversations of Talmud Chachamim have to be analyzed and we can learn something from them? Shinemar says in the pasuk, and its leaves do not wither. A Talmud Chacham is compared to a tree that produces fruits, and we say that this tree's leaves do not even wither, and the leaves of the tree are really the conversations of Talmud Chacham, seemingly something not important, but even those don't wither, meaning even that we should learn something from. And the Mishnah says, someone that rests 
rests his sukkah, meaning he places his schach on top of his bed frame, k'sher it's kosher. He has his bed frame, which we're saying right now, the boards of his bed frame are tent fachim high, and he simply took out his mattress, and he took out the supports for his mattress, so all he has is four walls, which are tent fachim high, and he places his schach directly on top of the bed frame. So the Tanakhama says that's kosher. Rabbi Hudaimer, he says, if this schach can't stand on its own, psula so it's puzzle. And now the Gemara analyzes, my time is Rabbi Huda. What's Rabbi Huda's reasoning that he says this sukkah is puzzle? They argue about this. Chanamar, one of them says, it doesn't have this element of kavias. It doesn't have this element of permanence. Since the schach is directly on top of a bed, and a bed is meant to be moved from one place to another, that's considered too aray. It's not considered keva enough, and therefore, it's puzzle. The Chanamar, one of them says, that's because what's holding up your schach is something that's makabal toma. The bed itself is a kli, it's makabal toma, and even though you're not using the bed as schach, and your schach is kosher, your schach is not allowed to be held up by something that's makabal toma. The Gemara asks, my benai, what's the difference between these two reasonings? The Gemara answers, Let's say he placed four poles of barzel in the ground, iron or metal in the ground, and he put schach on top of those. So it's a separate frame on top of his sukkah walls. So according to the madam, the reason why his schach on top of his bed is not kosher because it doesn't have this element of permanence. Harish Lakeva. Over here it does have keva because he's not moving these metal poles. And Umanda According to Manda Amar, that when he has a schach placed on his bed, the reason why it's not kosher is because it's being held up by something that's makabotoma. Over here he hasn't solved that. He put his schach on something that's metal. Metal is makabotoma, and therefore his sukkah would not be kosher. Now Amar Abai, he tells us, This is only if he placed his schach directly on his bed, Rabbi Yehuda says it's not kosher. However, if he put the schach over, not directly on, but over the bed, he had built a separate frame, and then he put the schach on top of that frame, and it's just hovering over the bed frame, then k'shera is kosher. My time, why is that? Because according to the Manda Amr, the reason why the schach directly on the bed frame is not kosher, because it doesn't have this kavias to it, because the bed frame is being moved around, this does have keva, because it's put on a separate frame, and that frame itself is considered keva. According to the Manda Amr, that he put it on something that's makabotoma, because the bed frame is this frame that he built separately is not makabotoma, and therefore the sukkah would be kosher, even according to Rabbi Huda. We're going to stop here for the day. Pick up tomorrow with a fresh Mishnah. For now, everyone should have a wonderful day.